You're listening, You're to, listening radio. to Radio Free Satan.com. Enjoy the show. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It's great to have you. It is June 16th, Father's Day, and I've got a great show for you this week. I'm not going to get all sappy and weepy about Father's Day. I've, I've spoken to Father's Day in previous Father's Day episodes. Uh, just to say, I had a really good one. Um, I, w- I woke up and, like, just me in the mornings, it's <laughs> literally take a leak, grab my coffee, and start working on the computer. And right now it's websites that I'm working on. So I'm like constantly in this flux of of working either the podcast or uh, professional life or just personal sites or projects. And my kids come in and, you know, hand me their little cards like, Happy Father's Day. And it's always really great. Father's Day gifts are sort of miss and miss. (laughs) Never hit and miss. It's always miss and miss. That's a little bit of fun there, but they're always weird. And it's strange because you would think, you would think that these people whom you live with for so long would know what you like a little bit more than they actually do. It's always a little bit strange to me. I I literally send out constant um clues about what I'm interested in. And, and it's not even as, as a clue. It's not like I'm trying to get them to get me something specific, but it's just constantly saying, oh, that would be great. Oh, I hope we can get that sometime. Or, oh, maybe we should save up for this. There's always something I'm talking about. Just, um, and it's not always material, but it, there's always something that I'm sending signals out. And it's always sort of into the ether because they never pick up on any of it. Like I literally literally asked i want a star wars coffee mug (laughs) that is what i want did i get it no (laughs) no i didn't (laughs) i don't know and that's a carryover gift request too like i asked for that on the holidays i was like hey you know what um for this uh christmas eve coming up or i'm sorry this christmas day coming up all i want is a star wars coffee mug like, when we were, show, you know, we, we sort of uh, window shop for the kids before the season, so we get a good indication about what they want. And we do, we do Christmas a little bit differently. Obviously, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to remove our children from something that we don't really think of as a, a religious thing. But I do think there's a seasonal thing that we celebrate as a family. Um, we call it Christmas because that's, you know, how we celebrate it. It really has nothing to do with religion. Um, but so we, we window shop for the kids, you know, like, you know, shopping for their friends and stuff like that. And so we get a good indication about what they want. And I saw these really cool, like, Empire Strikes Back coffee mugs. I was like, okay, 
Mark this down, people. This is what I want. <laughs> right here. Like, I literally grabbed it off the shelf and said, this right here, this $9 coffee mug set is all I want. Get If you get me anything, and you don't have to, but if you get me anything, get me this. Uh, nothing. <laughs> Bubkus. Unbelievable. And so I did the same exact thing for Father's Day. Look, I don't really want anything. It's not that big of a deal to me, but... If you are going to get me something, get me this. No, not going to happen. So <laughs> I got a tank top, which was great because it's hot as shit, and I really appreciate that. And I got an ice cream maker. <laughs> not quite a mug, but still cool. All right. So I'll be making ice cream with the kids, and that's always fun. Uh, what the hell was I talking about? Uh, oh, yeah, the show. <laughs> the reason why I'm talking into this can. Um, okay, so in The Devil's Advocate, I actually... Recently, Richard Ramirez, mass murderer slash serial killer. I don't, I, it's hard for me to tell the difference, but serial killer Ramirez died. Yay! Woo! And Magistra Egrain had some poignant words about the subject, and so I reached out to her and asked if she would be willing to say them for you all on the show on the off chance that you don't follow her like I do on social networking sites. So she agreed, and I'm very excited to bring you Satanic Flipper Ruse by Magister Egrain. And, that's right, it is time for Agent Provocateur. Oh yeah, another Darren Deicide special, delivered up hot, smoking for you to enjoy. This is episode two, Syria. Very, very poignant for what is happening in the world today. And actually, it's funny, because he submitted this show a couple days ago, right before America authorized arms support for the rebels in Syria. And so his show, his show sort of lost a little bit of the thunder that he would have had otherwise if that didn't happen. So forgive him that, please. And we are working on, because his, his um, segment on the show is so date-centric at times, we're going to really just bring it down to the actual day that I'm, you know, putting the show together for him to deliver it to me and record it on his end so that we have the most up-to-date at the time that you're hearing the episode. But he delivers a fantastic episode, second episode of Agent Provocateurs, and I hope, or singular provocateur, I hope you enjoy it. And in the creature feature, I'm bringing you Reverend Nocturnum, and we're talking about his new project slash book, Eerie America. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you support it. It's going to be a fantastic show slash book, which is going to be out soon. So look for that on your holiday wish lists to, uh, I guess, add to the lists if you have them. I don't know. A few things before I start. <clears throat> because I haven't been ranting long enough. Yeah, so, I mean, essentially, you guys are going to be missing out on me for this episode quite a bit. And this is kind of the way I'm pushing things in the future. I, I, I don't mind narrating the show, and I will chime in when I need to, but I'm really kind of looking for other people to submit and, and make this a, um, a greater satanic conversation rather than me just ranting. And it's really gearing up to be that. I actually have been reached out to um, by a number of people who are going to be adding content. Um, so, I mean, you can be looking for I Dream of Jesse uh, down to the crossroads 
Agent Provocateur. And if you are in social networks, you will have known already that there's a new segment coming. Militant eroticism. I cannot wait. All right, so I'm not going to say anything about it, but there's a little teaser video and there's going to be another one before the official first episode airs next week. So look forward to that. I certainly am. But I've also got other people reaching out to me and I'm very excited to bring anyone of quality in. So I've, I've had some submissions that, you know, I'm going to be honest, aren't up to snuff. And so I will not air them. And if you want me to help you develop uh, a voice, uh, a segment, um, a platform, I'm happy to do that. But it better doggone be of worth or else I will not even consider it. So make sure you have something of value to say in a creative really intelligent way or else go somewhere else or start your own podcast or do your own thing because I'm not interested. Um, fortunately, I have quite a number of people who are of worth and intellect. So uh, I'm fortunate. So are you. Okay, so back to <laughs> the things I wanted to talk about really quick. Um, my daughter has a new friend. So I have a very young daughter and she just started hanging out with another friend in the neighborhood, which is fantastic. It would be. I mean, it is. But <laughs> it would be better. The, the girl latches on to me. So she's being raised by a single mother, which is difficult, challenging for everyone involved. Except that when she comes over here, I'm the male figurehead. So she comes over to me and she talks to me and hangs out with me and wants to sit in my lap. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm kind and I do what I can for her. But there's a creepiness level. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the only guy that experiences this. There's a creepiness level that I, I'm not willing to, to cross. And for me, it's having a stranger sit on my lap. I, I'm just not okay with it. I don't mind, you know goofing around like laughing and playing with toys I mean I, I've been known to play with Barbies with my you know daughters and I mean my daughter and my even my sisters growing up so yeah I mean it's you know you, if you want to play and they're the ones unavailable then you end up doing what they want to do so I'm not averse to that I'm not averse to singing and dancing with them um, but there's something weird to me and it it really feels weird to me like Santa Claus. That's that's a weird thing. Having a bunch of strange children sit on your lap is a little too creepy for me. And so I cannot be okay with it in my own home with my daughter. It's just weird. And I understand. Like, all she knows is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a man that she doesn't have around. And so I, I don't even know if... And this is maybe just my theory... I think if you do not have a very strong masculine and feminine, um, uh, I don't know if you want to say essence or figurehead or, or um, role model in your life, then you're going to reach out to others who do qualify for those and, and try to have them. So she's come over a number of times and like, like for example, I'll come home from work my dog and my kids will come up and give me hugs, which is always the best part of the fucking day. Um, and, but she'll come up. And, and it could be because she's parroting their behavior. But it could also be, in my opinion, because of just, you know, living with this for a number of days now, 
she's she's really lacking that that masculinity that I think every child needs. I don't think it always has to be from a guy because I I do think that there's no problem with two women or two men raising children. But let's be honest, in a relationship like those, certainly the ones that I've seen anecdotally, uh, the ones I've heard of, there's always a more dominant and a more submissive. There's never, you know, two of both, um, at least to extremes. So I, I think it, that is an essential thing. You need a nurturer and you need an aggressor. It's just something that has to be there. And you can call it disciplinarian or you just can call it uh, responsible, powerful alpha, which I see it as, <laughs> of course, because I'm the one filling the role at the time. But I can see that need in her. And she just, she craves that that sort of um, acceptance and nurturing that only an alpha can give. And she's not getting it at home. And it, it's weird because, it, like, in my heart, I, I just want to adopt her and have her as part of the family. Because I know she's not getting what she needs as a young woman at home. And this is, I don't I mean, obviously, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I don't think I am. I have a long history of ignoring friends that need nothing out of me, but I, you know, my children's friends. But this girl, I mean, I've run into, you know, and I've talked about on the show, a boy my son used to hang out with was sort of in the same boat. I mean, it, it's a, I wouldn't say neglectful parenting that they're experiencing right now but it's certainly not an involved one you know not a nurturing one and so i i see that and i want to because it's a child help i have children and i know what it means to uh encourage them and to uh help them grow into powerful individuals at least i think i i like to think that i do and so, you know, there's this part of me that really just wants to help her and, and make her uh, be better than she is. And not that she's bad now, but, you know, just a better version of yourself that you can be. And I see that in children a lot, and I just want to get involved. And then I catch myself, I'm like, wow, this is none of my fucking business. <laughs> but it is that struggle when they're, like, in your face, and they're like... I wish I could sit on your lap, or I wish you would hold me like you hold Eric, you know, my daughter. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. You know, I, I don't, I mean, I don't even know what to do or what to say. And, and it's usually just a, yeah, yeah. Well, let's, let, you know, let's go play, or let's, you know, you guys go outside and ride your bikes, or, you know, I try to change the, I try to change the conversation because it's so awkward. I just don't know what the hell to do. It's weird. I don't know. Um, and I'm not asking for help. I'm just letting you know what's going on because this is what I do. <laughs> I bullshit before the show. Um, but yeah, that's what's been going on around here lately. I haven't brewed in like two weeks. I've been enjoying the ones that I'd brewed previous to that. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited for how this Pinot Noir is going to end up. And it's only a couple months away before I can try it. I'm so excited. Um, oh yeah, and, and so... It is, uh, today is the day that I've been mentioning for the past couple of episodes that, I mean, it's, it's not the celebration, but we are going to be celebrating the, the 13th anniversary of Reader Free Satan. And because everyone 
all of the DJs, current and, and previous, are so busy, we have been forced to sort of pull back on what we wanted to do. And it's sort of just a number of segments, and I'm not entirely sure when they'll be released. But I recorded mine with Down to the Crossroads host Erin and her man Josh. <laughs> be warned. If you've listened to this show every week, then you should have a good idea about what we're going to be talking about because I did spoil it in a previous episode. But <laughs> it's, it's a little bit out there. I hope you guys dig it, but it's a little out there. So look forward to that on the Radio Free Satan website, RadioFreeSatan.com, the 13th anniversary special uh, with all the DJs, sort of, you know, giving a little bit, uh, a little bit more, I should say to the Radio Free Satan listeners, and in hopes that you'll be supportive of the network in, in some measure, and you'll continue to listen and continue to tell a friend. That's an important part of it. And I reached out, and lastly, before I start the show here, I reached out in social networking circles because I've received correspondence from you, the listeners. And let me say this. Every email I get, I do not turn into a nine cents letters. I will not turn into a nine cents letters. I have to have something to say about it for me to want to do that. And I don't ask for permission. If you reach out to me, then that's all the acceptance I need for putting it on the air. And like I said, I won't always. But if I have something particular to say that I think others will gleam... Um, information or some benefit from, then I'm going to bring it out there. So I reached out on social networking sites saying, hey, I've, I've got a nine cents letters and I've got a contributor, which is going to be what I'm airing this week, Satanic Flipperoos by Magistrate E. Grain, saying, which one would you like me to do? And I received a lot of, surprisingly, a lot of people said, you know, let, let's hear nine cents letters. We're always interested in hearing what you have to say about it and, you know, seeing how you, how you uh, respond to it. And because it would only have been the second episode, I took that as a good thing. I mean, that's that's great, right? Well, I'm not going to do it this week because I really, you know, just for timing, I really want to get this essay out um, that Majesty Grain wrote. It was, or, or actually performed, I should say, spoke. It's really good. Um, and it's timely for what just happened. And so I'm going to hold off a, a week on the Nine Cents Letters, but it's in the mail. I'm going to be giving that to you. And if you ever want to correspond with me and you do not want me to put it on as a nine cents letters, then maybe you shouldn't correspond with me. The point is, I will always answer you in the best way that I know how. And usually when I correspond with people, it's just, you know, thanking them for listening and addressing their questions or whatever. Um, nothing, nothing really content heavy. This particular one was, and if you have a content heavy question, well, then I am going to bring it up in nine cents letters. And I mean, that's, that's the sole purpose of the segment. And it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a better way for you to glean information because I, I am quick with my email responses, but I'm not thorough with them. Uh, a fault of mine, to be sure, but I'm not willing to sit down and craft a letter when I have a family to be a part of. 
So when I have the time to stop and think about it, that's during the podcast. And so that's how I'm going to address them. Um, so I do really appreciate correspondence and I hope that you were willing and I always keep your anonymity uh, sacred. I will never drop a dime on you. So don't ever worry about being embarrassed or anything because no one, no one knows and no one will know. Um, and then a couple, you know, for the past couple of weeks, I've been saying, hey, please drop me a rating and a comment on iTunes. And I've gotten a few and I'd like to thank you very much. I don't expect everyone to love what I do. I don't expect every review to be favorable. And in fact, I prefer an honest review to an ass-kissing review. More than anything, I just appreciate the review. And so I, I truly thank you guys for those who have taken the time out of your busy schedules to go out of your way and write in uh, a review on iTunes. Um, it means a lot to me, and it's going to help others who come across the podcast on iTunes to evaluate whether or not it's worth to listen to. And I would like to think that it is, you know, even if it sometimes it's not. So let's go ahead and dive into The Devil's Advocate. You are your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And you are the devil's advocate. I'm a Satanist. I'm an active member in the Church of Satan, but I do not speak for the Church of Satan. That is all. This is Magistra Igraine with the Church of Satan. The death of scumbag Richard Ramirez has brought about increased questions about what exactly is a Satanifliparoo. Most of us are familiar with the term only when it applies to some moron in too much guyliner muttering on about his dark lord. That ilk of flipperoo is legion, sadly, as is its counterpart, the wannabe church, coven, grotto, institution, or other group of denny's denizens. Their silliness is great fun to watch, and they are generally not dangerous to anyone but those whose aesthetic sensibilities simply can't look the other way. It may taste some idiot kid's money or promote absurd views of Christian heresy, but they will eventually either grow up and cringe, or they will make a dandy assistant manager at Arby's. And if that was all there was to it, I wouldn't even complain. Hell, me and some other Church of Satan members might get together with all the flipperoo mail we've gotten over the years and have a laugh fest to beat the band. But there is a more dangerous, more insidious type of flipperoo, born in the Christian pews, incubated by passive-aggressive, overly religious relatives, and longing to be one with their one entity that they have been taught stands up against their oppressors, just like they wish they could do. 
Mix this with mental illness, like borderline personality disorder, antisocial disorder, attachment or aggressive disorders, and then the black clothes and peculiar poetry is no longer a laughing matter. Richard Ramirez, thankfully, is dead. He was the very worst case of what we call a satanic flipperoo, and it is all very good to laugh and have fun with the idiots who obviously have no clue and use our religion to stroke their broken egos, but... When truly twisted individuals, ones who are plagued by genuine psychiatric conditions, untreated and hidden, when they see too many bad movies and see the televangelists claiming we do awful things, then real people get really hurt, all in the name of what we care about. This is the unfunny side of things and why occasionally it matters to point out that these people are not us and we can prove it with our written religious canon. We have five decades worth of religious literature defining what is and isn't genuine Satanism. I'm pleased to note that serial murder, robbery, and copulating with eye sockets are supported absolutely nowhere. Every day, Christians are entitled to use the phrase because the Bible says so, as the bottom line in what is and isn't Christianity. We may have a few more books and a few less words, but that's only because we haven't had to, you know, leave out the contradictions and the parts demanding slavery, child abuse, and the murder of specific kinds of people. What we have is something that is supported by rational thought. But what they have creates murder when a psychologically damaged person eats too much Christian hatred and misinformation, glamorizing a Satanism that doesn't actually exist, and creating a killing machine. And while the Christians blame us, this flipperoo is all theirs. I am not a liberal nor a conservative. I am not a Democrat nor a Republican. I am not a socialist nor a capitalist. I am not an authoritarian and I'm definitely not fighting for your cause. I belong to no party. I support no politicians. I am loyal to no state and your cause celebra means nothing to me. I am Darren Deicide, agent provocateur. Hello folks and welcome back to Agent Provocateur. 
the first episode where I don't just sit around and set things up. We actually are going to talk about something today. How about that? Before we get started, I wanted to bring everyone's attention to Agent Provocateur on Facebook. You can find the page at facebook.com slash agentprovocateur on 9 cents with the number 9 in the middle and one big run-on word. I would have just made it facebook.com slash agentprovocateur, but there's lingerie in my way. Of course, I'm always okay with this, so I decided to make a longer URL. Shameless attempts at self-promotion aside, I'm bringing this page to your attention because I'm going to use this page as a newswire of sorts. As we get into thicker topics, I will be referencing articles and incidents. For the sake of brevity, and not to presume to lecture you on history and politics, I'm not going to go into everything in depth right here, and this really applies to the topic I'm about to talk about. Instead, I'll be posting the articles on the Facebook page as supplemental reference points. Go ahead and test the veracity of what I've referenced. At the crux of the study not worship principle is skepticism. Don't just take my word for it like gospel truth. Look it up yourself. Conduct your own research projects if you want to be a big nerd about it. If I bring up something in passing during a segment, there's a good chance I'll post the reference on the Facebook page. Oh yeah, and behave, because I do love hitting that block button. I know people get their panties in a bunch easily over politics, so I give you my warning now. Syria. The next Middle East shit show. Or, the Middle East. Let's call the whole thing off. Thank you, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Syria has been in a state of civil war since the Arab Spring movement of 2010, and the situation continues to heat up with no sign of relenting. Information about what is going on is fast-moving and quickly pouring in. The situation changes by the day, and the articles reflect that, so there's only so much I could cover. Even the dissemination of journalism is becoming dangerous. Recently, the first journalist, Yara Abbas, was killed. Though I'd call her a propagandist more than an actual journalist. I've seen her reports, and it's obvious where her loyalties stand. But I digress. Shooting journalists is usually a sure sign that the violence is becoming wanton. There have been reports of mass slaughters and executions on both sides of the conflict. And we know from videos and propaganda that jihadis are involving themselves on the anti-Assad side. Which makes sense, given President Assad being a Ba'athist. More on that in a second. Reports are coming in that Jabhat al-Nusra, a Sunni jihadi militia, is moving towards the border of the Israeli-occupied Golan Heights in their skirmishes, which must be a concern for Israeli war planners who have already unilaterally bombed convoys within Syrian borders. Every outside force is throwing their hat in. Iran is opening a $4 billion credit line for the Assad government. Russia is offering a shipment of S-300 missiles to the Syrian regime, and Israel is threatening to hit those shipments if they go through. Hezbollah says it's prepared to strike Israel on Assad's orders if they violate Syrian borders again. Muqtad al-Sadr, one of the major figureheads of the Iraqi Shiite faction, is calling for Syria to strike back at Israel as reprisal for their interference. Am I hitting you with enough information yet? Dare I call it a clusterfuck? This situation is not moving towards amicability. And I could go on and on, but I just wanted to give you a snapshot and elucidate the point that events are happening quickly and few definitives have been established. Within this sort of confusion, a society not vigilant enough to recognize its own interest 
can be exploited. To get a full grasp on why this conflict is happening, it is worth studying the historical context, which means looking into Assad's Ba'athist party, the Muslim Brotherhood, the Free Syrian Army, the Arab Spring of 2010, and the general history of conflict between the Alawites, the Sunnis, and the decolonization of Syria from the French. It's fascinating stuff to a dork like me, and hopefully it's fascinating stuff to a dork like you, but I wanted to grapple with this subject because the situation is at a critical stage. I'm going to narrow the focus down to what is most relevant to me and many of you out there and could easily become the tipping point to the situation. America. Let's look at some of the United States of America's diplomatic posture to the situation. The Free Syrian Army is practically begging for support. In an Al Jazeera article, General Salim Idris is quoted as saying that he thinks their revolution will be lost without immediate support from the West. I'll post that interview on the Facebook page. I'll also post the Telegraph article that covers Secretary of State John Kerry. In it, he is quoted by AFP as saying that the United States will continue to work with its, quote, friends to empower the Syrian opposition. Chew on that. Friends can mean an awful lot of people. Asked about reports of arms being sent to Syria's rebels from countries such as Qatar and Saudi Arabia, Mr. Kerry replied, quote, The moderate opposition has the ability to make sure that the weapons are getting to them and not to the wrong hands. That's a really, really long way of saying yes. I speak politician. Allow me to translate. At a conference in Rome, John Kerry gave a rousing speech in which he said Assad cannot, quote, shoot his way out of this problem. A hilarious statement coming from anyone in this administration. And that the United States would be providing, quote, non-lethal forms of support to the Syrian National Coalition. John McCain, you all remember him. Former presidential candidate, Arizona senator, the one responsible for bringing us that dim-witted monstrosity, Sarah Palin. Thank you for the porn, sir. I salute you. He has recommended that we airstrike Syria. This is something he has repeated on the Senate floor and publicly on CNN. I won't presume to go through a complete history of recent diplomatic exchanges between the al-Assad regime and the U.S. government. You get the gist. Much like the precursors to the American invasion of Iraq, the administration is playing a fun little game of three-card political Monty, using the UN as their ball and cups, pushing for resolutions condemning the Assad regime and funneling resources under the table. So glad people like John McCain and John Kerry have decided we need to get knee-deep as a nation in the next pile of Middle Eastern horse shit. I guess Saddam Hussein in the 80s simply wasn't enough. But I have a very simple principle I'd like to put forth. Something I learned a long, long time ago when I was a wee little deicide just starting to learn the ways of killing gods. Stop making bedfellows with nut jobs. Come on, I learned that when I was in sixth grade. The first time that one kid came over to the slumber party and threw a crying hissy fit for attention, I said, that kid isn't getting invited here again. That was a life lesson as base zero is when I learned not to take candy from the old guy in the bathrobe. If we become directly involved in the Syrian conflict, we are making a new bedfellow in this anti-Assad network of various Muslim interests. 
This opposition has an unavoidable historical context, and it's decisively not American. I don't expect the rest of the world to be American. It takes a special kind of country to give you over 500 channels of programming and still have absolutely nothing to watch. That's a type of silliness that I expect no country to match. But these people have Sharia law roots. Sharia law is about as alien to American principles as Richard Simmons is to the Westboro Baptist Church. You simply can't reason with unreasonable people. Think I'm just slandering their movement? Go to the Facebook page where I'll be posting a video of FSA, that's Free Syrian Army leader, Abu Sakar taking a bite of a heart cut from the corpse of a Syrian soldier. Last time I checked, necrocannibalism wasn't exactly part of a healthy human regiment. This does not include mass execution and beheading videos, and they're out there. The opposition to al-Assad has a long history of resentment tied to the Muslim Brotherhood and the Sunni faction, while the al-Assad government comes from the Ba'athist movement. One of the great victories of American propagandists in the late 20th century was this unbelievable idea that somehow Saddam Hussein's regime was in collusion with al-Qaeda. Here's a little Arab politics 101, folks. The Ba'athist movement is a pan-Arab secular movement that has always been at odds with jihadis. Now, they may not be pluralists, but then again, one Middle Eastern country is. One out of two ain't bad in this region. At the very least, they do have a principled interest in not being a theocracy. Sure, we can criticize how effectively they're achieving their goals, just as we can criticize how effectively America is achieving its stated goals, but at least the intent is there. So if anything, the Assad regime may have more principled alignment to America than this hodgepodge of Sunnis, jihadis, and various other organ-eating Islam-affiliated interests. You see, principles do matter. You can't have a quid pro quo relationship with someone dispossessed of the concept of fairness, and nobody's more dispossessed of fairness than someone who thinks God has ordained their political agenda. When you make strange bedfellows, there's always a possibility that you'll wake up with a horse head in your bed. Sometimes that horse head is a minor nuisance, like a free trade agreement that ships some jobs out to Mexico. Sometimes that horse head is a major nuisance, like 9-11. If we become involved in the Syrian conflict, we are making it another bedfellow in this network of Muslims. Is it really worth it? So you know what I say? Let Assad do his job like a good Middle Eastern dictator. Let him smash his opposition like a good Shimon Perez or Saddam Hussein. If, he, if we stay out of it, he will. The Ba'athists have already taken back Husayr and on their way to cornering the FSA. America simply cannot afford these dangerously bad investments anymore. Evidence is piling up that America is slipping in a number of measurable categories and that China and Asia are surpassing us. We can learn a thing or two from those commies. You know you're living in an Orwell novel when the country that calls itself communist pulls off capitalism better than anyone else, and the country that calls itself capitalism ain't too shabby at communism. Anyway, I challenge you to a bet, John Kerry. I hope you're listening to this, Mr. Kerry. I'm not counting on it, but I hope you're listening to this, Mr. Kerry. I think Assad can shoot his way out of this problem. My horse versus your horse. I'll even give you two to three odds if you promise to keep America out of it.
You can't beat that. Those are some Vegas odds. And if you keep America out of this conflict, I'm pretty sure my horse will win the race with flying colors. If you do interfere, I'm pretty sure I'll be in the same bed with other Americans. Rolling over, waking up, and once again staring into the severed head of our once prized stallion. Thank you for tuning in to Agent Provocateur. Radio Free Satan marks its 13th anniversary this year, so come join us in the celebrations on Vox Satane, The Devil's Mischief, Nine Cents, The Metro, Vasca Radio, Terror Transmission, Deep Six Radio, Lambert's Basement, Metal Breakfast Radio, and many more. Visit RadioFreeSatan.com to hear all of the shows, leave comments and criticism, and support the station via the PayPal button. Let's keep Radio Free Satan free radiofreesatan.com because the devil always has the best tunes swing and jazz then join me david ingram and my zombie goldfish co-host igor oh, hello. on lambert's basement every week where we time travel via nostalgia taking you to a golden age of music only available on radiofreesatan.com show called what do you mean what is it called you know what the name of the show what like the title what's the title of the show is that what you're asking me yeah what's the big deal what's the title of the show look it should be good enough for you and for any of you other generation y's or x's or w's or z's or or whatever fancy letter you're sitting on today to to realize that it's not about what the title is it's not about when I was your kid, there's only one thing that we had growing up. When we wanted to watch a show, we just turned on the telly on Saturday mornings, and you know what we got? Do you know? Do you have any idea what we got? No, I have no idea. Why are you freaking out? Every single Saturday. And we didn't know what shows were, what, what titles were, or, or what... We had no choices on what to watch. We were stuck with the creature feature, and so are you. Welcome to another Creature Feature. Today I'm being joined by the one and only Reverend Corvus Nocturnum. How are you? Doing quite fine, sir. I'm still just 
now getting used to the title. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me congratulate you. I think that's fantastic. Thank you. You were actually present uh, in the next room uh, within probably a half hour when I was uh, handed it. Yeah, it was it was amazing being able to actually meet you and shake your hand, and it it's sort of surreal. Like that entire night was very very surreal. I really haven't wrapped my mind out of around everything that's yeah. happened so far, but I think that's absolutely just wonderful, um, well deserved uh, for you. I, I, I think you. that's fantastic. But we were talking, and when we were sort of talking last time. I think we may have alluded to this project that we're going to be speaking to this time, um, at, at least in theory or, or in concept. And so I'm really excited that we can sit down and, and talk about this a little bit more in depth today and speak to the specific um, Indiegogo funding that you have right now. So that you, you've actually released this. So let me sort of let everyone in on the on the um, all the listeners in on this really quick. But we're going to be speaking around Erie America. And this is uh, Reverend Nocturnum's new proposed, uh, I, I don't know, is it just a series or? Um, it, it will be an ongoing television show uh, weekly if we get our way. That's fantastic. So do you want to tell everyone what Erie America is all about? Certainly. Um, the, the, the nutshell version is... Erie America Travel Guide of the Macabre. It's a series where we explore the macabre, haunted, uh, bizarre places. Uh, it's not a ghost hunter show. Uh, I, I want to make that strongly clear in the first place, not only to you, but to the executives at Discovery Channel. There's, uh, from the stars I know of ghost hunter shows, there's just a unprecedented glut of them, and they're horrid. <laughs> um, you know, so no offense to my friends who do them, uh, they just are so repetitive that the ones who that are good are being buried by the ones that are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if the place has a history, recorded you know history, we're going to mention it, but only in passing. Um, it, it, we prefer to think of this, and my co-author and uh, co- one of the co-producers, now there's four of us, um, jokingly refer to this as the travel guide for the Adams family. Uh, we we have medical oddities. We have the Winchester Mansion. We have uh, Obscura Authentica lined up. East State Penitentiary, the Voodoo Museum, the Voodoo Museum, wow. uh, Salem Witch Museum, uh, classic Hollywood horror dungeon wax museum. Uh, just all kinds of phenomenal places. And that's the tip of the iceberg right there. I just wanted to throw that out there to give the listeners a tease. Yeah. Uh, because the book that this is based off of, the cover of the book is on the Indiegogo site, and Schiffer Publishing uh, put it out for us this December. So anybody who wants to know what the show is going to be about with color pictures and you know a vast majority of the places can pick up a copy. Uh, it would make a great uh, Yuletide gift for a friend, too. Uh, but we are getting inundated by fans on Facebook and other places, myself and other people involved, of, oh, did you have this? Did you list this place? Uh, a friend of mine's like, what about the Barbie Hotel that's in your hometown, uh, home state of Indiana uh, that where Capone, you know, hid at? And, and, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, there's the Mobster Museum in Las Vegas. There's the Museum of Death, uh, Funeral History Museum in Texas. I mean, th- this uh, certainly is not a 
Haunted America show. Mm -hmm. uh, this is going to be the type of documentary that you see around Halloween and go thinking to yourself, why isn't this on all the time? This is the kind of thing I like. Well, we're, <laughs> we're answering that. Uh, before I get too involved in the history of how this came about, it actually involves two of our members. Oh, really? Uh, yes. Uh, without their, uh, unbeknownst to them, they gave me the clues to put this together. Uh, nice. More like Jason Leach and which Marilyn Mansfield. Whoa. So when I spoke to them recently at the Black House, mm -hmm. uh, I told them the backstory and how they were involved, and they were both thrilled. Uh, so I hope to include them on uh, a future episode. So that would be uh, very cool. How the how this all came about? Yeah, uh, those of you that remember back far enough, the Germ Gallery Bookstore had an art show for Church of Saint members. Uh, I'd say this was uh, maybe five, six years ago. Mm -hmm. And I was invited to join in. I met Jason Leach at the time. And uh, we started talking. And you know, we worked on a couple projects together since then. But in, in the downtime after the art fair uh, exhibit went down, you know, I, I had my painting shipped back to me and everything. And uh, we had killed some time, uh, me and the people that I was uh, going to Philadelphia. And there was the Mütter Museum, and we had passed East State Penitentiary on the way. And I was thinking, you know, the Mütter Museum, it's medical oddities and history, and it has the world's largest human skull collection. Wow, really? You know, there's amazing things about it. And uh, there, there's hundreds of little, you know, alcoves and displays there. And I was thinking to myself when I came back, there's got to be more places like this uh, of a similar vein. Mm -hmm. And... The more I got digging into it, uh, you know, I was actually researching it while taking a criminal justice course, uh, legal writing and research, and my professor had been trying to stir up conversation uh, because we have a lot of, you know, deer in the headlights looks of the other adults that are in the classroom. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm already done with my uh, uh, dissertation and essays and things that I needed to do for the week, so I'm hammering away on the computer working on this. And I'm thinking, wow. I'm finding hundreds of neat places just researching and, you know, I don't know if I can tackle this while being in college and writing two other books and running my publishing company. <laughs> and uh, my professor makes this offhanded comment about Elizabeth Bathory just to get a rise out of the students and nobody looks up but me. And I'm going, aha, mm -hmm. a, a professor who I get along well with, who apparently likes the, you know, creepy and spooky, so we start you know, talking, and he knew about my publishing company, and he had some screenplays of horror films that he wanted to put out. So I'm already talking to him about publishing his work, and now he has 10 books out through Dark Moon Press. Wow. Yeah, he, he writes like crazy. And uh, I tell him about this book, uh, Eerie America, and I've just been given a contract by Schiffer to, to finish it. And uh, I said, I need some help. And he's like, I explained to him what I'm doing, and he said, I'd love to. So it's uh, E.R. Vernor and Kevin Eads. And uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm now writing under both Corvus Nocturnum and E.R. Vernor. Wow. The, the, this particular project is under my real name. And we just started getting all types of feedback and high-resolution photos. And that's how Mr. Leach is involved. Well, as I'm watching TV, 
I also get in my email uh, and on Facebook a notification from Miss Mansfield about her being on the Oddity show. So I, I tune in. You know, I want to watch my friends and all and support <laughs> them and you know things like that. But wow, I need to include this place in the book. But I know how Schiffer and most of the publishers are. You need permissions for photos and things like that. So I call the store. Uh, I googled you know where Obscura Authentica is. And uh, I talked to Mike and Evan on the phone. They're wonderful people. And uh, they're like, well, we, we need uh, you to talk to our PR our publicist from Discovery. So they give me Joanne's name and phone number and her office and her cell. And so I start you know, pestering her for a little while, and she loved the idea of the book. So she sends me photos for everything to do with that one. And she also sends me, you know, information and photos on a new show that they had going on that wasn't out yet. It's Oddity San Francisco that people may have tuned in for the last year. Well, she, um, you know, she's keeping in touch with me every little bit, making sure I have everything I need. And uh, I'm contacting people in Salem uh, because it has such a history on witchcraft and everything. Yeah. I thought that's a great place, so I need stuff from there. So I find out there's a, a witchcraft museum. I, I get uh, lucky and get the current owner on the phone. <laughs> and I explain to her what I'm doing. I'm writing a book. I'm researching. I tell her the list of places like the Winchester Mansion and the Mütter Museum. And uh, she's like, yeah, yeah, we'd love to be involved. When is your crew coming? And I, I hesitated. And I'm like, my, my what? And she said, your, your crew for your TV show. I'm like, let me get back to you. <laughs> I put the phone down and I called, you know, Kevin. And I'm like, look, we've got a connection in Discovery, and this lady thinks we have a TV show. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Could this happen? <laughs> and uh, some of the connections I have, I was on a radio program not long after that, and uh, Carrie Ann Versace, you know, hosts. Uh, a radio show and she's involved with Core Films who did the documentary uh, on John Zappas the infamous demon hunter and uh, we've got a lot of mutual friends and stuff and that sort of thing in the convention paranormal slash horror you know convention circuit yeah so um, I start talking to them and you know I look up online and I find out Discovery is you know interested you know because I talked to Joanne again and she says, well, let me know what's going on. You, have, you need a production company because if we do it, we're going to take over. And I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> and uh, I find out you need a legitimate production company. And I'm like, shit. And somebody asked me on a radio you know, interview on the side because they heard about it. They're friends of Carrie Ann's. This is before any of this went public. And they're like, do you know anything about being a producer? I'm like, no, but eight years ago, I didn't know a damn thing about being a, a publisher either. <laughs> and I, I think within you know going on nine to ten years, I'm doing all right. So I'm gonna yeah. tackle something new. So I contact uh, the the people behind Core Films. Uh, obviously, one of them is already locked in on a contract with a competitor channel, so he can't be involved. But uh, the other co-owners of, of the company were all excited, and I said, "I need you guys, you know, because you've been good friends with me, and I want to share the wealth." Uh, I, I'm the idea guy, me and Kevin, we wrote the book, we own half the rights. We're creating Darkwood Productions out of the spinoff of uh, the publishing company, Darkwood Press. So mm-hmm. 
we're going to form an LLC, DMP LLC, which covers both companies. Uh, and uh, so the, the long story short, Core Films became co-producers. We found a post-production company who has a distribution to Walmart and Redbox, who they can do the titles and the CGI and 3D rendering and you know things like that for us. And uh, we started haggling budget. You know, a million or two dollars a year is what it's going to, you know, staggering cost to do something like this. But, you know, that's when someone else picks up the tab later. But we have to have enough footage uh, to show the network executives. Yeah, you got to sell it. Uh, So that's what the fundraiser right now is. Uh, We start start filming this August. You know, as far as everybody's concerned, we're... We're within a thousand dollars of our six thousand dollar goal because each of us have a little money in the bank through what we've done on our own. Mm-hmm. So the thirty-two days left on the campaign online, it may only show that we have ten percent of the money raised. But if people could really pitch in and help us out for that last thousand dollars, we would so greatly appreciate it. Well, and also a, a couple of things I want to mention. I mean, you mentioned thirty-two days left as we're recording, so it's going to be you know seven days shy of that uh, as this is released. And yeah, I'll be, I'll, I'll be posting. Weeks. Yeah, I'll be posting about this as well. I mean, there's even. Okay, so this is actually funded through Indiegogo, and it's kind of similar to Kickstarter. It's, it's one of those self-funding or or social funding platforms. Yeah. Um, now I guess the difference between this and Kickstarter is that whatever's donated, you guys get, whether the goal is met uh, or not. Is that correct? The uh, partly. Um, with Kickstarter, it's all or nothing, right. and that's why I was afraid to use that one. Uh, I debated uh, for a long time with Carrie Ann and, uh, and uh, Chris Mancuso. Uh, Kevin didn't care which way we went as long as we could do it, and I said, mm-hmm. if we fall short, then it doesn't happen. Uh, and I said, but Indiegogo allows you a fixed or flexible plan, which means they're, from, they're like Kickstarter and how they set it up. Uh, you can be exactly like them where it's all or nothing. And they let you keep all the money. Or if you do what's the flexible plan, they keep 9% and they give you the rest. Right. So we obviously opted for the one where we can keep as much as possible but not lose out on all of it. Yeah. And, of course, for each of the different levels that people donate, I mean, I'm not asking one person out there to donate $1,000, but there is a really nice prize if you do. Yeah, I wanted to mention that. I mean, it's, it's very <laughs> cool. I mean, well, first of all, there, there's sort of, you know, the 1,000 and the, the, the 1,500, which, I like, you get to go and watch it being aired. And if you're at the 1,500 level, you get to be in it, right? Right. I mean, that's that's pretty exciting. What, I mean, one thing that I, always drove me crazy about the ghost shows is that they always focus, obviously, I mean, their bread and butter, the ghost aspect of it. Never so much the, the history and the unexplained eeriness. Um, they're always trying to prove something, it seems like. Right. That's kind of what I like about what you're proposing, is you're celebrating the, the location, you're celebrating the history. You're not trying to prove anything. That's right. That's what's exciting about it. I mean, you're, you're taking what is... Um, and I think probably the most creepy part of American history is colonial America to Civil War era. You know, those exactly. are the, sort of the bread and butter times of uh, just creepiness as far as locations in America proper go. 
So you're taking some of these wonderful, rich uh, story, rich locations, and, and you're filming uh, some amazing, amazing content-filled episodes with them. Yeah, I think I mean, that's... There, there's old old battleships like the Constellation. I've spoken to the curator of that floating museum. Um, the people at Alcatraz. You know, as long as we have permissions from the different parks, museums, and things like that, they love the show. They mm -hmm. love the book. Yeah, simply and the because, yeah, it's exposure for them and it's revenue. If I can get more people to, you know, travel through there and they want to buy souvenirs, they have a gift shop, all sorts of things like that. Everybody is excited from discovery to uh, the different locations to the people obviously involved in pre and post production. Um, you know, the payoff for everyone will be phenomenal, but so also is the education, the appreciation for, you know, classic architecture and history and, you know, things like that. It's as much travel as it is educational because we're not going to spout off everything we've learned about it. We're going to let the curators explain it to us as, as if we're travelers and we have questions for them. Yeah. That way we ask the questions that the audience would want to know, but they're not there yet. Yeah. I think, it, and, and you know, we sort of run into this situation where, you know, you have people that really want to visit these really kind of creepy locales, but they can't either because of time, real life getting in the way or finances just being in the dump right now. So it's nice to be able to have someone that really has a voice that is incredibly similar to yours. Someone who right. walks the same path as you do, asking the questions that you would want to know the answer to. That's, I mean, that's really an invaluable thing. So let me let me drop it really quick. If you go to Indiegogo.com, search Erie America Travel Guide of the Macabre, in really any sort of formulation of those, and the URL will be in the show notes for you. But um, you will run across the the Erie America page for this and the goal is very conservative at six thousand dollars i absolutely think it's it's <laughs> possible to help uh in any way that you can so again like with any project that i ever um i ever try to bring to light i'm not asking anyone to be irresponsible and break bank but if you can donate a dollar donate ten dollars donate fifty dollars donate a thousand dollars and be on set then it's appreciated and we can help really just make a worthwhile project come to life. And that's something that, I and mean, we all watch these ridiculous reality TV shows that everyone hates and we complain about it and we argue about it. But now we have an actual opportunity to support a worthwhile show. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big deal. So. I'm I'm pretty excited about this. So you said this came out of the idea the idea of this the the concept of this came out from a book you were researching that was released in December, correct? Uh, it will be coming out this December. This December, okay. Right. And uh, and by the same title. Yes. Uh, one of the prizes that everybody gets is uh, special thanks in the credits, but uh, anybody who uh, produces you know uh, fifty dollars or higher get a signed copy of the book by um, the two authors, an autographed print from the crew, wow. uh, and, you know, the people that go for $100 also will end up getting all of the, you know, prior. And, you know, we're going to try to see if we can have uh, 
the entire first season printed out, of course, and have everybody involved autograph it and send it out to people as well. That would be awesome. You, know, you, so, you figure that's that's a pretty good savings between the book and a series of, of uh, you know, videos and things like that. They're getting half their money back as well as they're the ones who helped get it going in the first place. That Yeah, and I think that's actually the, the greatest sense of satisfaction is that, you know, we often throw away our money on, you know, just meaningless stuff like gas or shit half the movies released nowadays and we don't really get a sense of satisfaction there's no there's no real catharsis after you drop your cash on the table digitally of course nowadays yeah. um, with something like this there's there's an actual tangible benefit I mean one you're a part of history which is always fantastic you're a part of television history which of course, is ever evolving, but with a name like Discovery Channel, you know we'll be around for quite some time. Uh, you get a right. solid printed book, which, you know, I mean, you've been putting out books for quite some time, <laughs> quite successfully. I, it's Thank not you. like it's, you know, some uh, startup that doesn't really know what they're doing. I mean, this is going to be a, a quality volume. And then... You, you get a return on that, meaning whatever is produced, you get to see it tangibly in your hands afterward, which is fantastic. And and obviously something like Discovery Channel is, I mean, that's a big name. Yeah. Well, right now we're we're in the beginning talks with uh, Destination America Channel of Discovery, mm-hmm. and we haven't been given an official green light yet. But uh, you know. Let's hypothetically say they decide against it. They don't have it in their budget for this season. You know, we're definitely going to shop it around uh, National Geographic, the Travel Channel, Sci-Fi. You know, this sort of thing has so many different overtones. It fits almost every network you can think of. Yeah, and so we're not we're not giving up by any means, even if we fall short. And even just, I mean, what what's that process going to be like? I mean, once okay, so let's say. Um, of course, you're going to be meeting your goal. What's the next step from here? Uh, August 1st, we head to Salem. And we'll be there for about a week, week and a half, and hitting you know five or six locations to film. And uh, that will consist of what in the industry is known as the sizzle reel. And uh, we keep the extra footage to put together one episode. But it's kind of what you would see during an advertisement or the beginning of every episode with the theme music, which is being... Uh, recorded right now by uh, a company run by Monolith Graphics. Uh, it's called Knox Arcana. If people want to Google that, uh, Joseph Fargo is a good friend and a phenomenal artist and musician. Uh, he's had his CDs and everything from Hot Topic and Spencer's for years to, you know, just being a self-made man mm-hmm. uh, for quite some time. He has the right ambient, old, gothic, you know, haunted you know, house type of music, and uh, I, I couldn't think of a better person to give the emotional tug uh, for what we need to put in the background, because to be honest, this is lesser and greater magic put together of uh, convincing the executives that by visual clips for a 10-minute video that they'll be played that highlights all the places and shows myself and Kevin and the very beautiful Brandy uh, Hellcat Noir. Uh, as one of our co-hosts, that there's an appeal for everyone here. Yeah. And uh, they just have to give us a thumbs up, thumbs down, 
And if they like what we filmed this August, then we get approved for a budget and start rolling next spring to do, hopefully, the first full season to air a year from this fall. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you I mean, you're you're busy with continual education. You're busy with a production company. Uh, now, uh, I'm sorry, a, a publishing company. Now you're jumping into video. <laughs> do you ever have personal time? <laughs> uh, well, what I could have your... had that, and what I could have had this week, uh, I should have been formatting the rest of my fall releases. But uh, a friend of mine needed some help with landscaping, so uh, <laughs> he was willing to pay me a little bit of a chunk that went towards the show. So, in effect, my free time was work time because the money's going towards my other projects. <laughs> I, I think, uh, to be to be perfectly honest, even when I paint and don't try to auction them off or sell them on Facebook, uh, I, I probably watch one movie on TV uh, every four or five days. The only TV show I watch is The Walking Dead, and the rest of the time I'm you know sleeping for four to six hours, and the rest of it's all work from either one business or project or another. I'm just thankful I'm uh, out of college. Yeah. <laughs> It is sort of weird because you get in this this pattern that you're you're used to lack of sleep. You're used to producing <laughs> full time, whether it's school projects or professional projects. This sort yeah. of you know you get in the, you get into a production cycle. Every once in a while, I'll go through these phases where I, I really am just focused on that, and then suddenly the work dries up for a, a week, and I feel like I'm just floating. It's this horrible sense of. Oh my gosh! I need to start something new. Yeah, this is a horrible feeling. I don't like it. Um, but it, it's it's a trait that I think is found in what I would like to think is the best of us. In we have to keep moving. This 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 need of perpetual moving forward of of production of of creating something for ourselves and for our peers that, that we think is worthwhile. I certainly think uh, Erie America is going to be one of those things. So again, um, I'm speaking with Reverend Nocturnum. Check out Indiegogo, Erie America, Travel Guide of the Macabre. And if you can, drop a dime. You know what? Help support the project. Uh, it would be greatly appreciated, and we would definitely like to see this thing happen. And it would be nice, I, you know, it's self-serving here, but it would be nice seeing, uh, you know, someone we admire and someone we, you know, know. We've shaken hands with maybe, in my case, on the tube, you know? It'd be cool. It's certainly more credible than some of the really poorly produced ghost shows out there. So, <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and truly, I'm with everyone else out there where, you know, you have to wait for that time of the month to come around before you can actually, you know, drop a dime. It's in the mail. I think it's a worthwhile project. I, I would love to see it produced, one, which I know it'll happen, uh, and two, to see it, you know, picked up as a series. I think that would be fantastic. I wish you the best well, of luck, and I uh, thank you for joining me. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm really happy to have met you personally, and I'm really happy to, you know, get your support uh, in this project and for having me on your show. Absolutely. And until we can shake hands again, Hail Satan. Hail Satan. And that, my friends, is going to do it for yet another show. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear from you. 
Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. I've added a comment form on my website, so if you go to 9centspodcast.com, click on the contact navigation button, you will actually see not only my email and my voicemail uh, links if you're on mobile devices, uh, but you'll also see the actual contact form. So fill it out completely and you will be able to contact me directly. You can visit the SatanNet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on weekly topics. Listen to the show at RadioFreeSatan.com or download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. And that's actually, to be honest, more like Monday mornings. I do it before I go into work, so (laughs) it's usually in the morning. Uh, We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, so look for us there. You can subscribe to 9 Cents via iTunes by searching 9 Cents, and don't forget to leave a rating and or comment. I appreciate all of you who have. I think a few of you can do it that you haven't already. Good or bad, just be honest. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. Once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I am your host, Adam Campbell, and until next week, Hail Satan! <laughs>